Repent. Step out of the spiritual denial and make a U-turn into your spiritual new season. Not only do you need to remember where you've fallen from and the condition that you once had, but you need to repent. What is repentance? Repentance is a catalyst for change, always. It's Moody Presents with Dr. Mark Job, president of the Moody Bible Institute and founding pastor of New Life Community Church in Chicago. My name is John Geiger, if we've never met before, promising that if you'll stick around today, you are going to be glad that you did. What we're doing here on Moody Presents is what we're calling a Countdown to Founders Week. It's the best of Dr. Mark Job's messages delivered at Founders Week in previous years. You say, what's Founders Week? Well, glad you asked. It's the week-long Bible conference held right on our Chicago Moody campus, bringing in some of the foremost Bible teachers of our day. The dates for this year's conference, February 1st through the 4th. And again, Dr. Mark Job, among others, will be speaking there. We invite you to check out all of our speaker information at foundersweek.org, foundersweek.org. A loss of spiritual passion. That's no small problem, and it's our focus today on Moody Presents. With part two of Rekindle Your Spiritual Passion, here's our teacher, Mark Job. The Apostle Paul in 60 AD, he pins the book of Ephesus while he's under house arrest in Rome, and they're still doing well. He reminds them about their love, And not forgetting God, but they're doing well. The church is growing. People are coming to Christ. They're sound. But now 35 years later, the church has changed. There's a different story. Their doctrine is still correct. They've hung in there. They fought heresy. But something so grievous to the heart of God has occurred that he says, if this doesn't change, we're going to snuff out the lamp of this church. You see, momentary passion is not noteworthy. It's sustained passion for anything or anyone is always highly uncommon. Anybody can have a flash of passion in relationships with God. It's sustained passion that's difficult. I mean, think about it. We experience it in our relationships all the time. Maybe even a single gal walked into this auditorium. You're 23 years old, wondering, God, why haven't you brought that guy? Maybe you walked in the back of Moody Auditorium today thinking, Lord, is he here? As the usher tried to seat, you said, no, I want to be (laughs) spirit-led. Kind of close your eyes and float down the aisle and say, Lord, I'm I'm just, you know, if if I feel the tug, and you feel tugged to a certain, you sat down and there's two guys beside you say, Lord, which one? As you start to worship, you say, Lord, well, if I touch his finger, you know, if I feel like my hand touching his, I'll know it's the one. So the worship starts, your hands are up, and you don't feel anything. So your worship gets a little bit more elaborate, a little bit more. Pretty certain you're really worshiping. And aha, you touch his hand, and boom, like I know, it's him. 
And maybe you start that relationship and it's going well and you're taking selfies and it's an Instagram photo of, we're eating fries together. (laughs) Now we're eating fries with ketchup together. (laughs) And you start dating and the relationship is powerful, passion is there. He drops you off and five minutes later, you call him and say, I miss you so much. He says, I just dropped you off. I know, but I just feel like we haven't talked in so long. (laughs) And as the passion grows and the relationship progresses, the day comes where he pops the question, kneels down, gives you the ring, and it just seems like a dream come true that finally the knight in shining armor has come. And now you fast forward three years. You're at the dining room table eating one more dinner of macaroni and cheese. The baby's crying in the background. The TV's blaring. There's silence at the table. And you look up and you say, what happened to us? I mean, what happened to the passion that we had at one time? You see, momentary passion is important, but sustained passion That's a powerful, powerful testimony to the enduring legacy of our love. The second thing that he tells him is not only remember where you've fallen from, but he says, repent. Step out of the spiritual denial and make a U-turn into your spiritual new season. Not only do you need to remember where you've fallen from and the condition that you once had, but you need to repent. What is repentance? Repentance is a catalyst for change, always. And it always involves leaving something behind that we have stubbornly clung to to embrace something new that God is offering us. All repentance is always that way. Burkhoff in Systematic Theology describes repentance as A change of view, a recognition of sin as involving personal guilt, defilement, or helplessness. On the emotional side, a change of feeling manifesting itself in sorrow for sin committed against a holy God. On the volitional side, a change of purpose, an inward turning away from sin, and a disposition to seek pardon and cleansing. You see, there's something very, very powerful about repentance. It's stepping away from our first love at the core is forgetting who God really is. I've battled to sustain passion for God. I'm in the middle of ministry. And every season in my life, I have to say, God, don't let me lose my fire, my passion, my love happened so easily, so subtly. Just last year, I started feeling this gnawing tug of the Holy Spirit reminding me, you're losing it. Other people tell me that in other ways, but (laughs) I found myself less passionate in worship neglecting my times with God, not pressing in to enjoy God. I felt the conviction and the power of the Holy Spirit so much so that one night I find myself weeping before God, convicted 
that the passion that I needed to have hadn't been there. I told my wife about it, with tears running down my face. God, don't let me lose my heart, my passion for you. Don't let me slip and slide, God. I had this image that came to my mind as I was wrestling through this of a few years back, I had had the opportunity of visiting Mozambique, Africa, and going to Maputo, the capital. And right outside of Maputo, there's a little orphanage run by the Sisters of Charity, Mother Teresa's order. And we were touring this orphanage and walking through, and in one of the big halls we walked into, there was just bed after bed after bed of men who were lying there dying of AIDS and malaria. And they took us to another room, and in the other room there was women, women whose cheeks were sunken in, who were, looked like skeletons, and they were on their deathbeds dying. And then they took us to another room, and this room was filled wall to wall with cribs full of little babies. And the nun told us, these are the babies of the men and women that are dying. My heart was struck, challenged. I looked down and I saw this round little face baby looking up at me going like this. And I just couldn't resist it. I asked the nun, can I hold her? And she said, well, I don't think that's a good idea. I can't hold her? She said, go ahead. I picked up this little baby and immediately she put her little legs around my, around my chest and grabbed my neck and dug her little curly head hair into my chest and kind of peeked up at me. I think she was thinking, I've never seen a guy so white as you. But <laughs> she just held me as tightly as she could, almost like I've just been waiting to be held by you. And I walked around and she was so happy and kept peeking a look at me and held me tight. And then finally the nun said, hey, we got to move to the other room. And when I went to take her off, the nun said, now watch. I still remember the baby's name. Her name was Muyena. As I put Muyena down, she cried and squealed and yelled with her hands up like this, like, I want you to hold me. God brought that image to my mind, and I felt like, Lord, I want to I want you and need you, like that little baby in Africa did. That it only met me only for a few minutes, but even just a few minutes, she felt like she needed me. God restored to me a childlike, innocent fervency that says, God, I want you, my father, more than anything else in life. And without you, God, I cannot exist. You see, I believe that every act of repentance is an acknowledgement that in some way we have taken God's character for granted. Repentance sets in motion a fresh, unhindered vision of God. It's our spiritual windshield wipers in the storm of the flesh. And I want you to know, I want to ask you tonight, do you see him? Do you see God as he really is? No, I'm serious. Has the windshield wipers of repentance let you see a new vision, a fresh vision of who God really is? Not a watered-down, pocket-sized, repackaged God, but who He really is. 
peek, would you? In the curtain of the throne room of God. Look inside that throne room. Take a look behind the curtain if you dare. He is like no one else. There is none other like him. Who is he? He is self-existent. He does not need us or the rest of creation for his well-being. While everything else depends upon God, God depends on no one for his existence. He is absolute reality. He is transcendent. He is outside of space and time and unable to be changed by the force of the universe. He is imminent. He is always present in creation, though distinct from it. He is immutable. He is, uh, he is unchanging, for he has already reached a state of perfection that cannot be improved upon. He is like none other. He is eternal God. He has always existed and will continue to exist forever. He has no beginning. He has no end. He's the alpha, the omega, the beginning and the ending. He has existence and time exists within him. He's the eternal God, everlasting Father is his name. He's omnipresent. He's fully present everywhere, all the times, even in this church today. Amen. He's omnipotent. Well, I'm not finished. He has all power over all things, all of the time, in all ways. He's omniscient. He has total knowledge of everything, all of the time. He never learns because he's always known everything. Who is this God? He's incomprehensible. The finite span of the human mind will never encompass to understand the magnificent, infinite God of the universe. Our brains cannot capture who he is. Our spirits cannot but scratch the surface of this infinite God that we worship. He is holy, holy. Holy. He's eternal sep eternally separate and distinct from all impurity. The unique perfection of his sinless purity makes him unapproachable by sinful, fallen human beings. But yet in all of his glory, in all of his magnificence, in all of his beauty, in all of his radiance, yet he is love. And in his incredible love, he's reached out to you and I. We call that grace, something that we do not deserve, something that we have not earned, something that we have no merit for, yet he reaches out and that grace flows out to you and I in a powerful way that redeems our life through the sacrifice of his son, Jesus. He is like no other. Today on Moody Presents, we've begun a countdown to Founders Week, the annual Bible conference from Moody Bible Institute that so many people have come to enjoy over the years. Now, as you've been listening today to Pastor Mark, you should know that this is a Founders Week message from a number of years ago. Maybe you picked that up from some of his illustrations and comments. But here's the thing. Every one of us needs to rekindle our spiritual passion. And there's more to this message after I remind you that Founders Week is coming February the 1st through the 4th. 
This is, a, again, a week-long Bible conference that you can either listen to via Moody Radio on many of these stations. Our evening sessions are all live. You can also watch it online. Our complete conference schedule, Who Speaks When, is available right now at foundersweek.org, foundersweek.org. All right, let's get back to today's message with Pastor Mark, one of his previous Founders Week messages. Based in Revelation chapter 2, we're looking at rekindling your spiritual passion. Here again is Pastor Mark Job. Isaiah encountered the Lord in the temple and he said, send me. Elijah re-encountered God and stepped out of the cave. Moses re-encountered God in the burning bush and became a liberator of a slave nation. Jacob re-encountered God in a wrestling match and he gained the courage to face his past. Paul re-encountered the Lord on the road to Damascus and became the unstoppable force of evangelism. What about you? Lastly, number three, and I close with this. We are told not only remember, we are told repent, and then we're told do the things that you did at first. You see, it's not about recapturing a feeling of some youthful fling or emotion. It's about reestablishing the practices that become the doorway to rekindled passion. Some people are waiting for the feeling to come before they'll start the practice. Some people are saying, well, I just want to feel it. And once I feel it, then maybe I'll start pursuing it. But it doesn't work that way when our passion has declined. It doesn't work that way when our fervency has ebbed low. What God is saying to the church of the Ephesians after 35 years, low ebb in their passion, he's saying, I want you to start doing the things that you did in the beginning, whether you feel it or not. You see, the practices that lead to intimacy go first before the feelings of fervency and passion come. You need to do what you did when you started. Not too long ago, Dee and I had lunch with a couple that we were counseling that had gone through a rough patch in their marriage. And we talked to them about reconnecting and intimacy and not being strangers and learning what it means to rekindle that passion and some of the practices and habits. And we were so good together. Wow. And when I got into the car with my wife to drive away, I was thinking, man, that was good. Whoa, this is years of experience. Man, we nailed it. Right, babe? And she was quiet. I said, what's wrong? She said, nothing. Oh, that's a bad. Uh-oh. She said, you know, we're better at giving advice than we are at practicing this. Ouch. She said, I think we need to start practicing some of the advice that we're giving. I wanted to get real defensive right away, but I knew she was right. You see, I believe that God is calling some of you here tonight to take a new look at your passion and realize that you have 
allowed your image of God to be consumeristic. God is what you need when you need it at the time, but God is not that. He's no pocket-sized God. And your vision has diminished, your passion has diminished, and your zeal for God has diminished. Oh, you're a Christian. Yeah, I know it. Pretty much do the things that you're supposed to be doing, and people around you think you're okay, but inside you know that you're part of the Ephesian church, that you've fallen from where you were, that you've stepped away from your first love, that he's no longer your delight. It's been a long time that you shed tears in worship, got excited about the presence of God, said, good morning, Lord. Let's tackle this day. That you shared your faith just because it flows out of you, not because it's evangelism night. Yeah, see, I wonder what would happen if the church in Chicago, this city that I love, that I've ministered to, that I poured in, I wonder, this city that is known as a violent city, I wonder what would happen if the believers of this city, if the church of Chicago saw God high and lifted up once again, and the passion was rekindled, and repentance happened, and we said, God, forgive us. We have not lived with the zeal and passion for you. We've allowed our first love to slip away. I wonder what would happen to the spiritual landscape of this mighty city of ours, that it would no longer be known as Chirac, but it would be known as the city that was turned around by a people full of the passion for the living God. I believe that that can happen. Spurgeon said, a church has no reason for being a church when she has no love within her heart. Or when that love grows cold, lose love, lose it all. No, I'm not going to accept this as normal. I'm not just going to say, well, that's just the way life is. Passion wanes. I'm going to challenge my loss of passion. I'm going to turn away from it. I'm going to repent of it saying, God, this is not the state that you have chosen that I live in. And I'm reaching out to you, God, that you would stir up a heart inside of me that is not satisfied with crumbs from your table, but wants to dine with you, and wants all of you, God, wants a heart that once again breathes with holy discontent and passion for the living God. And then a determination, a commitment to say, I'll start doing what I did at first, even when it's hard, even when I don't feel like it, even when, when the feelings aren't there, because feelings do not run my life. I will do the practices and let the passion catch up with me. But I will not accept this as normal living. I'll press in. As I close in prayer, if you're here and you say, Pastor, that's me, pray for me. I want you to do just one thing. I want you, if, 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 if that's you and you're saying, pray for me, I acknowledge you. I want you just to raise both hands to the heavens. Both hands to the heavens.
Lord, you see the longing of these men and women. God, I pray that in a way that I cannot explain, but only you can do, that today would mark a before and after, that your Holy Spirit would so get a grip on some lives here tonight through repentance, remembering, and restarting, God, that, that there would be a powerful, deep change, a sustained passion, a fresh brokenness before you that humans cannot create on their own, but only the power of the living God can bring about. I pray for that, the way that you do it, God. I don't know how to do it. I don't know how to make it happen, but I thank you, living God, that you are the one that breathes fresh air. You're the one that breathes into the spark and turns it into a flame. So I pray, living God, fan the flame throughout this week, God. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. A serious message today on Moody Presents, Rekindle Your Spiritual Passion with our teacher, Dr. Mark Job, And he'll be back next week with another great Founders Week message. Want to point you to our Founders Week website, though, foundersweek.org. You know, you can be part of this year's Founders Week event. It's coming February 4th through the 8th. Two ways to do that. First and best, well, you can join us downtown on our Chicago campus where there's plenty of free parking foundersweek.org. There you can click and learn about who is speaking when. Some of our speakers include Dr. David Jeremiah, James Meeks, Trillia Newbell. And there's a button there you can click called Ways to Watch and Listen. Give that a click and you'll discover how you can take more advantage of Founders Week. Also a button called Past Sessions. When you click on that button, it will bring you to years of Founders Week messages you can enjoy at your own convenience. Again, all of this begins at foundersweek.org. I'm John Geiger, thanking you for listening to Moody Presents, a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute.